Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fans of the Boston Red Sox, or those who don't like the Boston Red Sox, to another episode of the 27th Ball Player Podcast. Now, it has been a while. We've been gone for almost one year since our last episode, which that was back on April 3rd. And in that one, we talked about how the Red Sox managed to beat the Baltimore Orioles on that walk-off by Adam Duvall, thanks in part to the error in left field. And then I also said that with the Pirates coming up, I expected them to sweep the Pirates, but because I said that, they were now going to get swept. Lo and behold, Pirates swept us. So, obviously it's been a while since then. You know, as of recording, this is December 9th. We're almost one year away from the last episode I recorded. Um, I'm going to get that out of the way right now. There are some reasons for why it occurred. Partially because of the fact that work got in the way and I did not want to start and stop and start and stop. Instead, I decided I was just going to put it off to the side. For those who don't know, I teach history, or at least last year I taught history uh, for school system. And it took a lot of my free time up so that when I was coming home from work, I would be grading, preparing lessons, all that. And I did not have the time to put into this. Over the summer, I was doing other things. But for the most part, this year I have a new job. I have more free time now around this time. I'm hoping to get back into one episode a week for you guys. But right now we have quite a few things that we have to get over get over, go over, especially today, Shohei Otani, 10 years, 700 million with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I feel sorry for the Blue Jays fans. Uh, You're probably not listening, but Thomas, you know, (laughs) there's going to be a curse for Toronto. Your Leafs never win. Your Blue Jays now glossed out on Otani after it was reported he was signing with them. What deal did the Raptors make for them to win that championship? There's going to be something going on. But anyway, I hope things get better for you and your teams in Toronto. But yeah, Shohei Otani, he's off the board. Juan Soto, he's off to New York. You know, just as long as the Red Sox can sign Yamamoto, I will not be too upset. That has been my one thing this entire offseason. Sign Yamamoto. That is what the Sox have to do. You know what? You want to give him nine years, 300 million? Go right ahead because this guy, with how the Sox were last year, you need Someone who can step in and be that ace. They don't have that. Chris Sale, you know, I'd like to say it, but he's too hurt. He's inconsistent when it comes to staying healthy. Last year, what was it? He he made 18 starts, I want to say. I'm going to look that up right now. Should have had it open, but what do I know? He's going he's gonna to be 35 by the start of the season. Last year, he made 20 games. Now... Before he got hurt, he was starting to get into it, and those last few starts when he came back, he looked decent, but you know what, you get 20 starts out of him a year, that, you can't say he's the ace. Bayo, you know, he was great, but he got tired at the end of the year. I want to see what he can do in his second full season in the majors, his third, you know, with the Red Sox, not including the minors. Or, well, you know what I mean, not including all the years in the minors, but other than that, Cutter Crawford I like in the rotation. Uh, I would like Helk and Whitlock to be in the bullpen. I think they serve better roles as that two-inning slash emergency opener type role. And so that would leave Pavetter. Like, what What do you do? You know, 
I think he could be fine as a number four, but realistically, I would like Yamamoto. You keep Seal, you got Bayo, and then you go out and you get Montgomery. Now, I know the Sox have been talking to Seth Lugo, and I wouldn't mind him coming, but if it came down to Montgomery or Lugo, I would prefer Montgomery by a mile. The guy showed he can pitch in the playoffs this year, and his time in Texas really sold me on him. You know, you look at the two guys, Seth Lugo, he's going to be 34, well, he is 34 now, so he's probably going to be looking for a three-year, four-year deal. You know, you get him for three years, say $15 million a year, three years, $45 million. he'll be 37 at the end of the deal. He's coming off his first season, his first full season starting since 2017. That is six seasons ago. That year, he only pitched eight. He start. I'm sorry. He started 18 games and he went 101 and a third innings. This year, 26 games, 146 and a third innings. Now, the rest of his stats at 3.57 ERA. He went eight and seven. You know that that would right away put him probably as the best starting pitcher the Sox had this year. We can't have another Corey Kluber. We can't have like a just some reclamation project you know we need someone who can come in who can provide innings and you know what? if you have lugo as your number three i i could deal with that or even lugo as your number four if sale can stay healthy but i would prefer jordan montgomery he's a few years younger you know seth lugo he's 34 right now montgomery he's 30 you know just like that on top of that montgomery has been a starter his entire career his rookie season in New York, 29 games. He got hurt in 2018. He only pitched six games there. And then 2019, he was recovering from that injury. 2020, in the COVID season, he went, he started 10 games. 2021, he started 30 games. And then don't ask me why the Yankees traded him to St. Louis. That made no sense. They needed pitching in 2022. They traded him at the deadline for Harrison Bader, who was awful with them always hurt but you know what what do i know about yankees and trading away pitching when they have none <laughs> but 2022 pitches 32 games career high 178 in a third innings this year 32 games again split between st louis and the world series champions texas rangers where he threw 188 in two-thirds innings once again he if you put that into the Sox rotation, he went this year 10 and 11, 3.20 ERA, 32 games started, 188 and two thirds innings. That would make him the ace of the 2023 Boston Red Sox rotation. Now, that's not that's not ace number. Well, eh, realistically, that is kind of an ace number, but you know, you don't picture Jordan Montgomery as your ace. If he's your number one pitcher going into next year, we still have some issues. I would be fine if he was cemented as our number two. You get Yamamoto, he's one. Montgomery, two. Bayo, three. Sale, four. And then either Cutter or Pavetta, one of the two. Whoever doesn't get it, you move him to the bullpen. Simple. Just like that. Now, obviously, things don't go as predicted. I mean, <laughs> who thought Verdugo was going to get traded? All right, fair enough. A lot of people thought Verdugo was going to get traded, but... And let me rephrase that. Who thought Verdugo was going to get traded to the Boston Red Sox? To the Boston Red Sox. Verdugo. 
Who thought Verdugo was going to get traded to the New York Yankees, I should say. <laughs> there. Got it out. Took me a bit. But, you know, the Red Sox, they got three young pitchers back for Verdugo. He's probably going to slot in there. Uh, makes me wonder how their outfield is going to look. You got Judge, you got you got Soto, you got Verdugo. Uh, I don't know who else they have for the outfield, though. I know they don't have IKF anymore, but he was their shortstop. Uh, I'm trying to figure this out. Let's look at their depth chart right now. According to MLB.com, their outfielders consist of Verdugo, Floreal, Dominguez, who is going to be hurt to start the season, Oswaldo Cabrera, Everson, oh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Pereira, Pereira, Judge, Trent, oh, Trent Grissom, I, I keep forgetting he came back as a salary dump with, uh, with Soto, even though he doesn't make, I don't think he makes much, I think they just wanted him off the books. He's probably going to be a defensive replacement for the team, in a sense. Wonder if that means they f they get rid of Floreal permanently now. But point being, their outfield is very likely going to be something like Verdugo, Judge, and Soto with Grissom as their fourth until Dominguez comes back. So that makes me wonder. Dominguez comes back and he's healthy. Do they look to move Verdugo into a bench role? Do they put... It's crazy. They, they've they got enough outfielders. Like They're kind of like the Red Sox where you have a bunch of outfielders, but they don't have really pitching that I would trust. You got Cole, best pitcher in the AL this year, no doubt about it. You got Carlos Rodon, who if he bounces back, okay, but I don't know if he will. I mean, you look at his stats in his entire career. He had two seasons where you could say he realistically could be considered an ace. One of them, he got hurt and didn't pitch a full year. That was 2021 with the White Sox. 13-5, and 2.37 ERA, and 132 and two-thirds innings across 24 games. And then 2022 with the Giants, where he went 14-8, and 2.88 ERA in 31 games. But even then, he didn't even make 180 innings. This past year, he was hurt. So when you look at the difference between the Red Sox and the Yankees rotation, we have a lot of guys, but they're just not consistent. The Yankees, they have Cole and then a bunch of question marks. They lost Severino to the Mets. They have Rodon. They have Nestor Cortez, Nasty Nestor. Who knows if he's even going to be what he was. Maybe that 2022 was a one-year fluke, you know, 12-4, 2.44 ERA. Last year, he was 5-2, 4.97 ERA in 12 games. You don't know what you're going to get. Is he going to bounce back? Is he going to be somewhere in the middle of those two seasons? <laughs> who knows? You got Clark Schmidt, who, according to rumors, was almost a Red Sox at the trade deadline. Do I believe that? Possibly after this trade where we got Richard Fitz, who I am looking forward to seeing how he progresses in AAA. But even then, Clark Schmidt with the New York Yankees, this season, 9-9, 4.64 ERA, 33 games, 32 started, 159 innings. That's just, you know, who knows? 
And then after that, it's question marks. You got Lewis Gill, who, correct me if I'm wrong, did not pitch this past season due to injury. I Okay, so he didn't. He pitched one game in 2022 with the Yankees, and he pitched two games in the FSL this year. So he, yeah, yes, I believe he got hurt. I believe I was at the game that he left injured. They were playing the, uh, they played the Woo Sox. It was, it was Bayo's first game in Worcester, I believe. I'm going to check this out right now. Oh, you don't... Don't tell... Come on, baseball reference. Don't tell me that you don't have his game logs. For, do you not have his game logs for minors? Oh, there is. I was looking at the wrong page. Let's see, 2022. Where are you playing? Yes, I was right. He left in the fifth inning... He had only given up one run, struck out six, and then I remember because uh, I was talking about that after, saying how he left. Well, other than him, they got Clayton Beater and Yoendris Gomez as possible options. Beater is 25 and ended the year in Triple A, three and five, four point nine four ERA, and Gomez pitched one game this year for the Yankees. But enough of them. Let's get back to the Red Sox now. Let me pull up their depth chart now to look at their pitching. You know, last year, there was a lot of moving parts. The rotation was not what it was. We needed more pitchers. Right now, according to MLB.com, their rotation looks like Chris Seo, Brian, Brian Bello, I mean Bayo. Man, I always mispronounce that. Cutter, Crawford, and Tanner Helk. And then you also got Chris Murphy in the bullpen. You got Nick Pavetta in the bullpen. Garrett Whitlock in the bullpen. All three who can move possibly into the rotation. Wait, why do they not have a... Oh, this is depth chart for the 25. Right, right. I I thought it was on the 40, whatever. So realistically, out of that rotation, you got Seal, you got... Bayo, and then you got Crawford. I want Helk in the bullpen. He proved to last year he's more of a bullpen pitcher. Uh, so with that, if you can get Yamamoto and you can get Montgomery to add to those three, I think you're pretty good because then the bullpen, you got Jansen closing. You got Chris Martin, a.k.a. the best relief pitcher in all of baseball last year. He should have won AL reliever of the year over Felix Bautista. But hey, you know, saves make everyone look so much better. You got John Schreiber, who... Hopefully he's healthy. You got Zach Kelly and Josh Winkowski, who both of them, former Woo Sox that I'm pulling for. Garrett Whitlock, Nick Pavetta, Brennan Bernardino, the Nard Dog, which I don't think anyone called him. Maybe Dino? I, I I don't know what his nickname was, but he was fantastic. And then you got, I don't know how to pronounce his name, the guy they got from San Francisco last year. I don't think he's going to stick around. Now we got the new guy, Justin Slayton, who we just picked up a couple days ago after the Rule 5 draft, and Chris Murphy. So a bunch of these guys are not, you know, this this bullpen is deep. You got a bunch of guys. You know, Jansen's going to make the team out of spring training, obviously. Martin and Schreiber, so that's three slots. Add in Helk, Whitlock, that's two more. So you got five. 
Pavetta, six. Bernardino, seven. So right there, that's seven spots. And that doesn't even include Winkowski or Kelly. Chance they both make it. Not really, actually, because <laughs> you add in the three starters plus two more. That brings you to five. We're up to 12. Depends how they'll probably carry 13 total pitchers. So that already means only one of Kelly, Winkowski, uh, Lovera, Slayton, and Murphy would make the team out of spring training. And that's without any other moves to the bullpen for this offseason, which is they're going to have a strong bullpen. As for other moves, the Red Sox, uh, they've been linked to Martin Maldonado. I do not uh, like that. Strong defensively, yes, but his offense, not so much. He could be a good leader in the sense of helping Connor Wong grow stronger in his role as a catcher. But otherwise, I do not really like him much. He doesn't bring much offensively anymore. Uh, rest of the team... There was one thing that I loved hearing that Bobby Dahlbeck at the moment has a very significant shot to be a productive member of this team again, saying that he could play first, third, and outfield. Obviously, right now, the Sox situation, he would not be getting much outfield time. It would probably be to spell an outfielder, but hey, you know what? You keep him as that corner infielder slash DH, I, I could go for it. I love Bobby D. I want to see him succeed Otherwise, the big thing, we need a second baseman. There are not, there's not anything on the free agency market that I really like. One guy that I wish they could have went for, but I don't think it would work, Brandon Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals. It's not going to happen, though, because he's a lefty, and I know the Cardinals would ask for a lot. Other trades, maybe Polanco from the Twins. Uh, one guy on the free agency market that I think could fit if it's a one-year deal with an option similar to the Justin Turner deal last year is Whit Merrifield. I know many people wouldn't like that. He's getting up there in age. He had a rough season. Well, sorry, rough second half of the season last year, but I think for a one-year stopgap, he could work. Uh, third base, obviously, we're set. Shortstop, we're set with <laughs> Trevor Story, so long as he stays healthy. I do think, though, that He's going to come in and try and prove people this year that he's worth that contract. Outfield, I, after the Verdugo trade, I think our starting outfield would be some sort of rotation of Abreu, Yoshida, and Duran, along with possibly uh, Rafaela, Sedania, you know, possibly uh, getting some reps. Actually, I don't even know if he makes the team out of spring training because Sox made a big deal. They brought in Tyler O'Neill for Nick Rope. Ro I'm going to mispronounce his name. Is it Roberson? Robertson? Doesn't say. I want to say it's Roberson. I always call him Roberson, and then I think I get, I think I get it wrong all the time. Give me a second. I know the other pitcher, Victor Santos, he was not going to be playing at all for uh, Boston. He was a free agent. It is Robertson. I always say Roberson. I always forget the second R in his name. But Victor Santos, he was a young guy. Uh, came over in 2021. But otherwise, Sox, they need a few moves for the rest of this offseason. If we want to be competitive in the East, we need to bring in two pitchers. Whether it's through signing, trading someone like uh, Burns... 
if they want. Shane Bieber, who I'm not that big of a fan of. Some people want Tyler Glasnow. I don't care for him either. I want to stay away from injury-prone pitchers, if that makes sense. Of course, it's what you can get sometimes, but for the most part, it is what it is. I do like the Tyler O'Neill. It feels like a Hunter Renfro. It feels like Adam Duvall. Now, hopefully he can play like them in the sense of staying on the field. Uh, it's also obviously the Sox are taking a risk, hoping that he bounces back to his 2021 levels where he hit 286 with 34 home runs and he was in the AL, AL NL MVP race instead of <laughs> last year, 72 games because of injuries, nine home runs, 231 average, you know. Regardless, though, he... He does walk a decent amount. I mean, when you look at his stats, he's always roughly a plus 80 player, just about. In that sense, that's the difference from his average to his on-base. Last year, he was a 231 average, 312 on-base. That's, that's, that's a plus 81 player in my book, you know? Uh, I think the Sox, though, they're fine with the outfield now. Second base is still a question. You know, do you go with do you go with the three internal options we have? Reyes, Valdez, and Raf Raf I really don't know. I mean <laughs> if, you know, my big thing that I've always said, could have tried Fitzy, but Fitzy ain't with the Sox anymore because they didn't want to protect him from the Rule 5 draft, didn't want to add him to the 40-man roster. Didn't think he'd be a contributor at the major league level, which with that, we are going to take a moment to thank Ryan Fitzgerald for everything he did for the team in Worcester, everything he did for the city of Worcester. They're going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. All the fans are going to miss him. And best of luck in Kansas City. I'm rooting for you to make the Major League roster out of spring training. I mean, it's Kansas City. If they don't give you a shot, it's a mistake on their part. Ryan, you're never going to listen to this podcast. You're never going to even know about this podcast. A lot of people are never going to know about it, but I just want to thank you. And it may not sound personal, but it is. You gave a lot of great moments on and off the field to everyone in Worcester. Like, people always say, you know, players, they come and go. But it's tough when someone like Fitzy, who went around to all these different places, he... He visited with children. He went to schools. Even just driving around, he saw a kid just practicing his swing, and he gave him a bat. He invited him to the field, you know. He's just a special player, and he's a special person, and I just wish him the best of luck. <sighs> yeah, so when I heard he got drafted, that was a tough day. Uh, I was very upset, and, yeah, you know, there's not really much I can say more about it. I mean, there's nothing you can do. There's another team that thinks uh, more highly of him, I guess, than the Red Sox, and uh, you gotta just you, you gotta just hope it works out for him. So some other stuff about Tyler O'Neill. He could be a free agent at the end of the year. He's going into his last arbitration eligible season. He's probably gonna make about five and a half million, just roughly. A little less than half of what... I mean, a little more than half of what Verdugo was going to make. He was projected to make nine. O'Neill is making about five and a half. 
roughly projection projection based. He can become a free agent at the end of this season, though. He's 28, so it's very likely he's a one-year stopgap where he comes in, he does his job, and he makes way for the young kids. So that could happen, especially if Duran continues playing like how he did last year and Abreu picks up where he left off. Like that that guy. <laughs> Willier Abreu, he took his opportunity and he ran with it. I mean, he didn't play much. He Well, he did play much, but he didn't, you know, he played 28 games and he hit 316, got on base at a 388 clip, two home runs, 14 RBIs, and he had nine walks. I mean, the guy can play. You know, everyone talked about Valdez in the trade for uh, Christian Vasquez. Well, I think Abreu is probably possibly the better of the two now. Like, he is just interesting me so much. And there was a... There was a comparison. Someone said that maybe Abreu will become this generation's Trot Nixon. Listen, if we can get Trot Nixon as a comparison for Willier Abreu, I will take that. Especially healthy Nixon. You know, you can get anywhere from, say, 15 to 22 home runs a year. Great defense and a fan favorite. Along with like a 280 batting average. I would take that in a heartbeat, especially in today's MLB. It's something we need. Players who can get on, players who hustle, and everyone loves them. <laughs> but we're getting close to wrapping it up this time. Uh, there's one other thing, but, you know, I'm not going to beat a dead horse and say it, but, you know, I will finish it. Second base is still an area of need. As of right now, if we went into the season, it would probably be Pablo Reyes. And nothing against Pablo, but I just think he's better suited as a utility player. We need a bona fide starting second baseman. Someone who can defensively play the position very well. Yes, Reyes can play it tremendously well, but I don't want Reyes for 150 games, 140 games. I don't think he could do that. I mean, last year, he was tremendous for us. 287 batting average with two home runs, 20 RBIs. He only struck out 21 times in 167 at-bats, but that's the second, that's the most at-bats he's ever had in a season. Before that, 2019, 143 at-bats in 71 games with the Pirates. And you even look at it, all of his, rest of his career, over, you really don't have much to compare it to. 18 games in 2018, he hit 293, okay? 2019, 71 games, he hit 203. 2021, 53 games, he hit 256. So if he's going to give you about a 250 average, I'll take that, but I want it in a utility role. Kind of what I wanted Christian Arroyo originally to be in. If we go into the same situation next year where I said Arroyo should be your super utility and you have a second baseman, and then this offseason I say Reyes should be your super utility and he becomes your second baseman, and then he struggles like Arroyo did. I don't I don't know. It's just going to be annoying. But right now, I'd say the best option right now is you go for Whit Merrifield on a one-year deal. And you see if you can get him. If not, look on the trade market for someone. Uh, there's not probably going to be many deals that you can make without giving up a prospect or two. But when you have some young kids on their way up, you don't want to clog the position because... You know, you're going to then have to move him soon. If we look 
over at SoxProspects.com, their rankings for their for their for their minor league prospects. You got Mayer, who's our second prospect, our number two prospect in the entire system. He's twenty. He's in Portland right now. Hopefully, he'll be ready for uh, twenty twenty five, maybe. And then on top of that, you got Rafaela, who is playing in Boston at the end of last year. He could possibly be it. You also got Nick York, who could be up some point next year, depending on how his progress goes. And that's without even going further down. You got Chase, uh, I'm going to mispronounce it, Mayadroth, who, he's 22. He could, he's in Port. he finished the year in Portland. You got, you got Mickey Romero, who, I'm not going to lie, he's been dealing with injuries, so he could be a, a bit away, so you really don't got to worry about him. But point being, you also got, oh, I forgot about David Hamilton in Worcester. You know, he had some, he had some uh, playing time in Boston this year. You just get a bunch of guys that you don't want to block their path unless you're planning on sending them out in a trade somewhere. But point being, there's that. Um, I will take this last few moments to kind of insert my own uh, personal stuff. So, alongside with this podcast, I started doing some writing around November 3rd, around the a couple days after Craig Breslow got hired and had his press conference, I started writing. It's over on a small substack called Heart of the Sox. It's a way for me to put my thoughts out that don't always fit into the podcast and put it into, uh, you know... Put it into in the written way. So if anyone would be interested in reading those, they're up there. But otherwise, I'd like to thank anyone who came, who listened to this podcast. I'm hoping to get back into a weekly format. So this would be for the week ending on 12-9. So hopefully I can get another one out for the week ending on 12-16. No promises. Though I would say if I did 12-16, I would also do 12-23, but then there would be nothing for the week ending on 12-30 because of Christmas and New Year's Eve. But just in the event that I do not get another one out in time, I'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Also, I know Hanukkah just started, so I'd like to wish you all a Happy Hanukkah if you celebrate. And yeah, thank you again for listening.